If there's one group of people that Web3 is set to benefit more than anyone else, it's content creators. At the moment, if you're an artist or a musician or an influencer or a vlogger, the platforms that host your content take a massive share of your earnings in exchange for giving you that platform in the first place. This episode explains why all of that is about to change. I'm joined today by Matthias Nagelschmidt. We just had to retake that because I was unable to pronounce Matthias' surname. <laughs> But Matthias is a content creator who is currently the brains behind an upcoming NFT magazine, Artificial. Matthias, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure. Thank you. <laughs> Even if I do mispronounce your name. But, oh, it's, um, it's perfect. Yes. <laughs> we always start these uh, episodes by running through your professional background and how you got into the Web3 space. So do you want to give us a little overview as as to what led you to this point? Oh, sure. Um, so my professional background uh, is actually more into traditional traditional publishing. So um, books and, and magazines on, on paper and uh, on that as well, more on the back end of things. So proofreading and editorial stuff and all that sort of thing. And so for my longest time of a career, I was just like uh, Photoshopping mostly or working with Adobe PageMaker and putting pages together and uh, and editing and preparing things for, for print. And on a bit of a sidekick, I was I was running uh, 3D programs. So I was dabbling in, in content modeling and kind of making 3D scenes. And then somewhere around 2020, there was this uh, big news that uh, an artist called Beeple was breaking into the NFT space. He's um, very famous and known for working in the 3D space and creating these amazing, like, dreamlike, uh, landscapes and and visions and doing them basically every day for one piece of artwork and yeah that's when I the first time I, I really uh, heard about NFTs and uh, that then led to subsequently into the world of Web three. Amazing, and just to 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 go back then on your kind of traditional background, you know what. Does it, or what did it mean to be a content creator in Web two? So, what is it about Web three that's really allowed people to thrive? And any comparison that you can you can give there, I think, would be really useful. Well, the the, the traditional print or, or publishing market had a severe change, like one of the most severe industry changes probably in in the last uh, two decades, and. That indeed was uh, the rise of Amazon as a as a company, and it completely uh, changed the market. How you um, sell, how you interact with with retail, and how you market, how you promote, and in the end, it it influences the production. Uh, doesn't matter if you're a, a big publishing house, or if you are in Germany or in the UK or somewhere else based. Like it's a global player, and it had uh, just really changed. The, the landscape and so it, there was this need in the last two decades to relearn things and 
to be uh, always kind of on on the run and um, chasing those new possibilities that were emerging. I mean, I'm not uh, saying that it was all bad or that it it was a, a one way street. There was a, a lot of pros in it, and there was a lot of um, development. But uh, there were a lot of restrictions coming with it as well, and that already established from a very very early on uh, perspective that there was something new coming, and that you needed to to adapt and to evolve in order to keep going and keep producing. And and when you talk about something new coming, then are you are you referring to the web? three ecosystem so this kind of leveling the playing field yes definitely nobody really knows what uh, web3 will be there's um it's right now it's 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 a loose concept of uh protocols and services and um goodwill uh, companies or communities that are trying to create something that will be bigger than what they can each achieve on their own so Web3 is right now still in, I think, the stage of defining uh, what it's going to be. And it's not only a technical change in how you are going to interact with the browser or how you're going to interact with the website. It starts way more more early. I was um, thinking about what would be a good starting point to introduce to someone what Web3 is. And the best I could come up with is that it starts with the definition of a contract. And the contract, basically, it's a protocol. It's the most simple simple form of a protocol that you can have. That hasn't changed on the internet very much, especially if you you think like where the internet came from, um, where you had this kind of a one-way street. Like you could view content that was presented, but you couldn't interact with it for a very long time. And then came uh, Web 2.0, which made it possible for you to interact with the pages and change the content. It was possible for the pages itself to rearrange content depending on who was visiting the site and who was uh, looking at it. So having uh, established was now going into another a kind of transformation with Web3. And it all has to do with those protocols will enable you to get into contract with whom you like without a third party involved. And that's a huge step forward. So to simplify that a little bit, you know, I, I believe YouTube takes something like 50% of ad revenue from content creators in exchange for giving them the platform on which to promote themselves. And, you know, I'm sure that varies massively over all the kind of you know major content platforms is what you're saying that in in web3 you know individual content producers for want of a better word whether that's a singer an actor an artist uh, a writer will be paid directly by their fans and almost remove the middleman in in those circumstances exactly exactly and it goes even further than that um, because right now that's already possible. Like we have crowdfunding. We have since the last five or six years, there was always this kind of double combo that you would have uh, like a content publishing page like YouTube or Instagram or any of that. And then you would have uh, running a Patreon service in the background or a GoFundMe or um, go buy me a coffee where you had like a hardcore fan base that could support you directly and you could build that base. So that was already established. But um, 
the thing that is now going to uh, put on top of that so that you can run your own communities, basically, is the possibility for um, whoever bought something from you to resell that so that the ownership rights, they will not be stuck because that is the problem right now with uh, Web 2.0 is that you have this kind of like black holes and that are your accounts. You have uh, Spotify, you have uh, Apple, you have YouTube, you have like if you're playing video games, you have you have this um, accounts there and you put a lot of effort as a consumer into those kind of products. You put a lot of money and you, you acquire skins or you uh, buy music, you buy movies through all of them. And as a content creator, you even put more effort into it. And the way it's going to change is that right now, these efforts, they are taken away in this kind of black hole, third-party uh, marketplace where they stay. And then they decide on how much they want to pay the content creator. And they, in the end, control who has the ownership rights of that content. And what Web3 will change is that it's not locked away in a, in a third-party controlled kind of pool, but it will be opened up. And so if you support an artist and you say uh, you buy a music album, then you will truly own it and you will be able to resell it, the digital good of it or the the ownership uh, ownership rights of it. And that is going to be the big game changer that is happening. And just out of uh, out of curiosity, how will this work for podcasts? You know, not that I'm looking to, <laughs> to monetize this just yet. Do you think I get anyone paying for the Web3 podcast? Uh, yes, definitely. So uh, what you would do... <laughs> I'd answer you would have to define, there are going to be three major things that um, as a marketing perspective, you have to relearn and you can embrace and that will make you money in, in Web3. And the first of it is you have to realize that you have to still authenticate your work. So that means just by putting something or putting some, some proof of it on a blockchain on its own means nothing because anybody could do that. So it only works if you are already established in the sense that you can communicate and that you have a standing that it is coming from you. So you need to define what is, for example, you have um, now the Web3 podcast. So that is the ownership of you. That is your brand. And this is, this is who you are on the web. And this is um, who you're representing. And this is what you need to authenticate. So you need to have um, the account. You need to have the website. You need to have, you need to be reachable. You need an, an address or um, any of that. And in combination of that, when you have authenticated who you are and when you have presented that, then you can step into the next process. And that is you need to rarefy your work. That means you have to curate and stand for your work. You have to say, look, I'm, having a podcast, I have uh, that much of a viewership, I'm offering that much of a content. And let's say I have two spots for ads into this podcast. So now you defined what you are offering in terms of ownership. And now you can say, okay, there will always be the benefit for those who come first, because this is a, also a big part of the Web3 that is, it's a consensus building model, right? And in the truest form of the internet, that has to do with ideas. 
and early adopters and those who follow ideas on the forefront of where things are going doesn't matter if it's if it's art or if it's if it's gaming or if it's um, biological science doesn't matter like if you're running on the forefront and if you're representing those those ideas then you can you have to to communicate that and you have to rarefy your spot in all of this and the the last thing that is is you need to to invite so it's not just you, the content creator, and then there's this wall. So you have to you have to reach out to the community. That's uh, right now. It's the same in in, in Web 2.0. And if you combine all those three thing, all those uh, three things, then Web 3 is really enabling for you to do this because then you can sell the ownership part of your podcast that you just defined, and whoever bought into it early will have the benefit that it will rise in popularity or that it will rise in price. And that will create more value for those people who invested in you. So long speech made short, you you will be able to invest into ideas and that will create an immense followership to those who bring new thoughts into the world. That's a really, really interesting perspective. If that's the vision then and, and where we're headed, you know, where are we at this point in time? You know, what websites or or dApps, et cetera, are really catering for content creators in Web3? Well, right now we are at, at a at a crossroads kind of times in in, in all of this. Because there's one emerging player right now, and that's uh, Ethereum. And there are other blockchains. It, it, is, it is important to, to underline that the block, blockchain consensus model is what is going to drive Web3 because you, techli- you technically need it for the whole Web3 idea. And if we can just take that as, as, a, as a given for, for a second, Ethereum right now is where everything that is moving very fast is currently at. There are some other solutions. There may be some better solutions. I'm not propagating Ethereum here because it still has problems of its own, but basically everything is running on Ethereum right now. And to complicate it one more step, Ethereum has a a big problem because it's very expensive. Like if you going to to mint something, which is the equivalent of putting a smart contract on there, and you need to do that in order to sell or interact in Web3, that means you are looking at $50, $70, $100 for doing that. And that is not feasible because that means that small artists or even if you're, um, for example, you have a podcast community and you would sell them a newsletter then what is the normal uh, ABO payments for that? It's like maybe $1 or $2, right? And if you would pay $70 to ha- as a fee to sell that $1 payment, it just doesn't make sense. So right now there's something emerging that is called a layer two, which is basically rolling up uh, a lot of transactions, like a zip file, if you will, uh, into uh, one space that is verified on the blockchain. 
And that is going to establish the possibility to make it, to have it much, much, much cheaper, like in, in cents. And so having this in mind right now, for example, you could check into um, something called Loopring. And Loopring is basically a protocol that is enabling you to mint NFTs on the layer two for uh, cents, basically, but still provides you the possibility to switch them to layer one if you want. So if you, for example, you, you're just starting and as an as a artist, you don't want to be locked in. That is the biggest fear that content creators are having right now is that you are running with one blockchain or that you're running with one service and then you will be locked in. And uh, all the work you're doing will basically be for nothing because in two years, nobody is using blockchain X anymore or blockchain Y anymore. And so um, you want to look into those kind of layer two uh, apps that are right now emerging. And it's really just in the last two months that uh, they have become usable. So yeah, this is brand new emerging. That's incredible. And to be just on the forefront of this must be incredibly exciting from your perspective. Um, it to, truly is, yeah. To talk about you and your work for a for a second, um, can you talk a little bit about Artificial, uh, your upcoming NFT magazine? I'd, I'd love to hear more about that and how you're structuring it, given the challenges you've just outlined. Sure, I'd love to. The basic idea is it's 36 pages and it's artworks. And the idea is that when you're standing in front of an artwork, you're always asking yourself, what is this artwork telling me? And if the artwork is good, then it will tell you a story. It, it will provoke something in you. It will invoke something in you. And with most paintings, they go for an emotional feeling or a sense of aesthetics. And what I'm trying to do with the artificial is have the same so that you're looking at an artwork, but this artwork is based on a very complex idea in the digital space. And it will not give you the direct knowledge yet. We still have to do that work. So you cannot just absorb the, the concept just by looking at it. But uh, the hope is that if you go through one issue, that you have seen enough that you already have sort of like made space or made room in your head for the concepts that could be interesting or that are happening right now. Like to give you um, a, a crazy example, behind all the, the blockchains right now, there is cryptographic mathematics, so to say. And the, the word crypto, it tells it. And those operations, they are really dry and are complex. And if you are not really versed, you will not understand them. You still, you don't have any chance. Uh, like, for example, if you want to figure out how the cryptographic keys are generated, you would have to watch at least three or four hours of YouTube videos of guys explaining it to you and then dive deeper. So the idea is that instead of doing that, if you are just satisfied to get the kind of aesthetic gist of it, that's what I'm aiming with these uh, artworks. So, for example, I have one image where you can kind of see a, like a sneaker and the shoelace is hanging down in a, in a kind of a static presentation. And it is 
shaped in the form of an elliptical curve. And that is an artificial representation of the elliptic curve cryptography that is uh, the layer behind all Ethereum and Bitcoin-based operations. So you kind of have a chance of see and 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 um, participate in those complex uh, driving aspects of this emerging space without really the need to deep dive into those topics if you don't want to. So it's a quick read, but hopefully a fun one. And um, it's going to be purely digital. And that was, that was also something that uh, is difficult to figure out because file size is always the big question mark if you are having digital content. And if you are uh, streaming or if you have a, a podcast, for example, 300 megabyte, maybe one gigabyte, depending on, on the platform you are releasing, of file size. And if you are going to have um, a 3D rendering of a video, for example, then it easily can also pop up to 100 megabyte. And those file sizes, even in Web 2.0, you would have trouble with those kind of file sizes. So there is also this aspect that you need to know where are you going to store your files that you are creating. That's also a big part of Web 3 because that also has to be figured out because Web3 is changing the, the gatekeeping. The gatekeeping aspect is that what you want to move away from. And right now you could store your data on your PC on a hard drive, but as soon as you are moving into a cloud, you are having difficulties getting it out of there. Like um, even if you have uh, an Apple iCloud and you want to have it connected with a OneDrive, for example, it is possible but it is very time-consuming and it is not easy and you are not fully in control of it. Uh, and so what do you think the future will look like when it comes to that kind of a degree of cloud storage? You know, is this going to be, is there going to be like a decentralized cloud? Is there already? Uh, yes, and that concept right now is it's called the interplanetary file system. And it's, <laughs> maybe you remember the times when you were ripping music off the internet, you know, with Napster or Kazaa or Mule, and it was a peer-to-peer file-sharing network, right? And the same technical principle is now applied to storing files. And the interplanetary file system is like Wikipedia. It's, it's, um, it's for free, essentially, and you could run it on your own computer. The problem is that in order to keep files online, you need to be running the node. And so there are companies that are doing that for you. And that for one of them, for example, is Pinata or Fleek. And um, most people right now that are putting up NFTs, they are using those partners because they will be ensured that the content that you're putting up is uh, perma stored. So it will always be there. And good thing is if you have a file that, nobody really cares about then it will always be in your like you need to come up with the energy of having that file constantly on the internet but as soon as you're taking off and as soon as maybe two or three people have the same file then um, you are relieved of the burden of hosting and right now that's not the case right now if you're the content creator you always have to host the file 
And what interplanetary file system does, it is, it is supplying the, the cryptographic nature into the file name, meaning that the file name itself is a hash function of the content. So it is technically not possible for you to download something that is not displayed by the file name. So you, it is not possible for you to download a corrupted file or something that someone has changed. So if you are presenting me with the correct key, then uh, I would be confident enough to download a file from you instead of what is right now the practice from a server very far away. And that is also going to change. It's, it's part of the Web3. That's really fascinating. Matthias, we're unfortunately nearly at time. So as much as I can stay and chat about this all day, we're going to have to ask. So we always wrap up by asking for your recommendation of resources. Now, that could be resources that had a profound impact in your personal life or early professional life, or that have been really useful in introducing you to Web3. Any shout outs to make? Yeah, I have uh, three things that I want to shout out. First of like hands-on, if you want to get started, read Building Ethereum Devs by Roberto Infante. That is really, like you, it's technical, it's deep. You don't have to understand all of it, but it is a very quick introduction of what is really going on. And you will feel confident after even a few chapters of that book to engage in it and to, to really understand what are the, the moving parts of it and what you can use and what you can do with it. And uh, the second is, it's a, it's a book from uh, Francis Yates and it's called The Art of Memory. And it's maybe a preparation for the kind of metaverse um, and what is it, what is this place, what it's going to be, what is coming there. And it's the idea of um, a sort of mind palace and how to build on that. And a last one maybe, because a lot of what is coming will need uh, storytelling of the, the authentic and true yourself. You need to communicate that. You need to communicate and to curate your work. And for that, I recommend Eric Edson, The Story Solution, which will give you um, a tool to do exactly that. Define yourself in this new world that is coming. And uh, I'll put links to all of those those books into the show notes for any listeners that want to check them out. And finally, Matthias, if, if anyone listening to this podcast wants to get in touch with you to, to chat about what you're up to or anything that we've discussed today, what's the best way to reach out? Yeah, so um, with, the, with the magazine coming out, just uh, go to uh, Twitter, LRTFI, and just hit me with the note or a message. I'm always happy if someone uh, is engaging or has uh, interesting thoughts and gives feedback. I would love that. Awesome. Matthias, thanks so much. Great to have you on the show. Thank you very much. Thank you. A huge thanks to Matthias there for tuning into this episode of the Web3 Podcast and for you, the listener. To check out the show notes, see upcoming guests and play more episodes from our incredible lineup of Web3 entrepreneurs, creators, investors and thought leaders, you can visit theweb3podcast.xyz. You'll find us on all your favorite podcast platforms, be that Apple, Amazon, Spotify, Anchor, Google or pretty much anywhere else you can play a podcast. And if you enjoyed this episode, please do let me know. You can find me on Twitter. I'm at Callum Wooders. That's Callum with two L's. Or you can drop me an email at callum at theweb3podcast.xyz. If there's a Web3 topic you'd like to hear explored on this pod, I'd love to hear from you too. This has been the Web3 Podcast. Thank you so much for listening and I'll see you next time.